real, right? Because it is. Uh, today we're starting a series on our values and we're talking about authentic community. And one of the first parts of even being able to be an authentic community is to know someone's name, to include them, to know them, right? And the most basic feature of someone is their name. It can be a struggle, right, for the number of things that we go to to remember or to know, I ought to know your name, but I don't. So, so here's the first thing. You can just take this with you right now. Wow. If you get that gut sense, it's like, man, we've met 20 times. I should know your name. Be really quick. Don't, don't do all your tricks, trying to listen in carefully to hear someone else say their name, you know, or have someone else introduce them. Just say, oh, I'm so sorry. I keep, I keep on forgetting. What's your name? Right? We can be those, be those types of people, but you've been there. But today we want to talk about authentic community, and we want to talk over the next six weeks about our values as a people. And as a people who are following Jesus, our values are about saying, hey, how are we going to live? And we want to live like Jesus, and we believe there's some clear markers of that, and one of those is, is authentic community. So here's our value of this. It's, all of our values are written out in there on the board, so would you read this with me? Authentic community, and we'll read it aloud. Uh, the, it's the, maybe it's the, maybe it wasn't in there? I don't know. Do we have the, actually the value, authentic community, we seek to be a people? We don't. Here's the value, I'm going to speak it out loud to you. Authentic community, we seek to be a people that God might dwell among. Open, honest, accepting, welcoming, and non-judgmental. We recognize that we're better together than apart. This kind of a community, to be known, to be open, to be welcoming, to be non-judgmental, to be accepting people into it is a part of our character. We know this was a part of Jesus' community himself, that we're better together. Community is a biblical concept. For so often, sometimes in the context that we live in as Americans, following Jesus is about me and Jesus, right? And Jesus loves me and uh, Jesus and me. But really, the context of the scriptures is about Jesus and us. Jesus in a community. That Jesus intends to fuse people together in redemptive groups so they could grow in godly character and generous living. So Jesus himself modeled this out by making disciples, and in John 13, as he's with his disciples, it's this beautiful sort of picture of what it is to be this community together and the character in mind of it. And this community is marked by people who love each other, right? That know each other, that deeply love each other. I was reading through this, and as we were thinking about authentic community, and this text from the beginning, Jesus was meeting with his disciples before he was going to be crucified. He's gathered at this famous pattern of a joined meal together, which Jesus himself said, Oh, I can't wait to eat this with you. Do you have those patterns of meals that you bring in people with you to eat? Regular patterns of sharing a meal together, celebrating different parts of life, but having the people that you love with you. That's a marker of love to have these patterns and say, oh, I have these patterns. Come and be with me. All right, come and join in my family. For many of us, it's like Thanksgiving, we pull our family around. Christmas, you pull your family around. Memorial Day, you pull your family around. Birthdays, you pull your family around. Do you have these patterns of pulling around family? But also, if you've been with us, we've been talking about this idea of being the kind of community that Jesus is saying, and where we've been using the Mother Teresa quote of saying that majority of us, when we draw the circle of family, it's too small. And then kind of inclusive community that we want is one where we draw the circle just a bit wider. 
We start pulling in extended family into our lives, pulling in others, pulling people into those patterns, creating new regular patterns of being around the table. So Jesus had this. And he was pulling in his disciples before his death to join him in this communal celebration of the Lord's deliverance, the Passover meal. But in verse 1 of chapter 13, this grabbed me. For those of you who are looking for something to be written upon your gravestone, you're thinking about, what will be remembered of me? What could be etched upon my life? What would it look like to finish well? This, these words of Jesus gripped my heart and, and haunted me for a mark of what it is to live community well. And it was this in John 13 verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own or in the world, he loved them till the end. What if that could be said of us? Right? Having loved, right? Having loved the ones who, are, who God had given us, who are in this family circle, right? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. And our challenge of our own, who are your own, there's been people here who have loved their own till the end, right? That, that marked their lives. May that mark us. And may God continue to expand the circle of what it means for, to love our own. Our brothers and our sisters, our fathers, our mothers, our friends, our neighbors, those who are like us, those who are unlike us, but to love them and to love them to the end? Uh, could that be said? I think, about, I think about Foster, Jenny, right? Would you say that marked him? He loved him to the end, right? Those who are part of his family, those who were his, his family had widened, those extended beyond the birth, right? Because here's a man who actually birthed no children biologically, but yet had a massive family and loved them to the end, as Jesus did. This is a picture for authentic community. This was about Jesus, but Jesus says he's with these disciples, all these friends, friends are going to fail him, friends are going to betray him. He says this, and this is the commandment, a new commandment I give you to love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Maybe one of the clearest teachings of the Bible. Has anyone in here never heard that? Oh, here's a command for you. Love others as I've loved you. One of the clearest words from the mouth of Jesus. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of our lives? Oh, it's to embrace this command. Love others. And the world will know that you're disciples of Jesus by this love, by this community of people who love each other. So community as Jesus modeled, as I have loved you, was and supposed to be the brand. It's the marker. It's the Nike swoosh of Jesus, of the Christian movement. Here, here's a, here's a, a marker of community. Community is the joining of two or more people who agree to organize themselves around the ways of Jesus and his command to love one another. That's what community is. Caring, growing, serving. Everyone in such a community is an equal participant. Everyone seeks to grow. Everyone builds in the lives of the others. Everyone understands that the ultimate purpose of the community is to 
to project the influence of the gospel into the larger world. This is the marker of community. This is our value to be connected in that, where you could be known, where you could love, where you could pull in people, where we are better together than not, drawing the circle wider and including others. These, this kind of true community, Jesus' community, it occurs when we're being invited into someone's heart where dreams and fears and calls and doubts and secrets and uncertainties are stored. And I tell you what, it's a rare place to be welcomed and to be asked and for someone to be curious about those things in your own life. Where somebody is curious or wants to know about those things, your dreams, your fears, your calls, the calling on your life, the doubts, the secrets, and the uncertainties. It's rare, but it's a beautiful and needed place where we could be known in that way and long to know others. To do that, to be in that kind of community, uh, our character has to be shaped like Jesus, and we have to learn some skills. Right? We gotta learn to do what Jesus did, and our character needs to be shaped like Jesus, because when we're in community, we get hurt. It's that you wanna know how you can tell character? You squeeze someone, it's the same way you can tell the character of an orange or the character of a lime, you squeeze it. And if you get lime juice, you know that's good. Squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. But when you're squeezed, what comes out? Not literally. But when you're squeezed, when the pressures of life comes on, what comes out of you? When it's frustration, when it's hard, when there's pressure, when there's stress. That's the parts of our character. So we must be shaped like Jesus. There's a text to that um, for this about building community that I typically do when I do weddings. It's a wedding text that I use. And it doesn't fit perfectly for weddings, but I love the text. And so I make it fit for weddings, right? Yeah, I think it fits. But it's really about community. And it's in Ecclesiastes. I don't start so early in the text, but I want to read this for us and and just take out a couple parts for us, for us to say, what would it be for us to commit to this value of actually authentic community, to be shaped like Jesus? And I think there's some things for this in this text. It's Ephesians 4, verses 8 to 12. It goes like this. There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither son nor brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, And he never asked, and for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity, and it's a grievous task. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A quarter of three strands is not quickly torn apart. This text of Ephesians. This first part is saying, boy, how grievous is it for someone to kind of go through all of their laboring and all of their purpose and all their plotting and all their plan alone. Now this was not an unintentional thing. This was an intentional thing. Intentional, that aloneness is intentional. It's a chosen condition for, in this text. 
where you would choose it. And it's such a way that he conducts his affairs alone. He doesn't invite someone to come with him. He doesn't invite a friend. He doesn't invite a child. He doesn't invite someone else to join him in the things that he's doing. He chooses to go it alone. But this text is saying, oh, we've got to make a better choice than that. And in reality, it takes a whole lot more courage to pull in other people. Yeah, it's not more comfortable. It's less comfortable. Sometimes it's way more comfortable to do things alone. But yet, we're meant to invite people into this, and it's better. But it does take courage. And in this text about having this intentionality of saying, hey, two are actually better. Don't go it alone. Two are better because you will produce a greater return for your labor. The outcome will be so much better in your life. When you look back, you will never regret. And then going it along in community with others. But we must make a choice because it is costly to go with others. It is painful to go with others. It is hard to go with others. And you may invite them and you could get your heart torn out by people saying, I'm not going to go with you on the journey. Right? But it is better to go together. This text says it's better because you'll produce a better return. And then it says these, almost these reasons why. It says two are better than one. Because when you fall, you've got one to help you. When you're cold, you've got someone to warm you. And when you're attacked, there's greater resistance, right? The greater ability to defend. So I want to think about these true things, about this reality. These, these almost, these skills of this character. Do you have it? it, it are you being shaped into the likeness of Jesus when it comes to these things? Because I, I, I assure you, just like in my life, there is failure in my life and in your life. There's moments of being hot and cold in my life as there are in yours. And there's moments of attack in my life as much as it is in yours. And saying, huh, is our character being shaped? Do we, do we know the value of two being better than one? Are we receiving the gift of authentic community that overarched the scriptures in that great command, love your neighbor as I have loved you, as Jesus said. And so this is what I want us to wrestle with. And may God speak to you about one of these things where he wants to shape your character or to impress a skill upon you so that we can grow as people who would invite others and live in intentional and authentic community. So here's the first one of Failure. Two are better than one because one falls down. You've got a friend to help you up. Failure. It's just a part of life. We need to fail. If you don't fail, you're not going to grow. But there is something about getting up from our failures. We need someone. So how about this for a character question? When it comes to the failures of your life, for you personally, when you fail, do you hide? But it's the, it's the first, I mean, it, it's, it's probably my first gut move in failure, right? You want to hide. But for our character to be shaped, we don't want to hide. We need people. How about this question for failure? When, when others fall, do you judge?
when you fall, do you allow anyone to help you? And another character question for failure. Do you see people? The people who are around you enough to be able to to correct them, right? If you know they're in a tough spot, to see them in order to assist them out of love or to affirm them. Right? This is a huge part of this, to affirm them and they're getting up, to affirm them and they're apologizing, to affirm them and making steps to make things right, to go to people who they've done right, to encourage this. Two are better than one. Because when you fall, you can help them up. So how is your character in this? Does Jesus need to do something in there? Is there one of these questions that you're like, oh my word. Do I let people help me? Do you tell people about your failures or you're missing it? That's a part of authentic community for people that you really know and that know you, that have been welcomed into your life. You can do so. And that's the one for me. Do you allow people to help you? Do you pull them in? My tendency is to say, let me fix this, fix this on my own. And then I'll come into community being perfect. Right? Do you try to do that too? We never come into community that way. How about the skill when it comes to failure? Do you know how to build up others? Do you know how to lead someone in confession? So that if they do fail that you could come and you, you know the scriptures say, oh, if you confess your sin, Jesus is faithful and just and he'll forgive them. Right? And that there's, there's freedom in that. There's healing that comes from that confession from another brother or sister. There's healing. There's like a power in those things being spoken out loud. And yet, we want to resist that idea of showing up and being seen for truly who we are and so we'll resist that courage. This is not a disclosure of stuff just to anyone and everywhere and everything. No, that, that's weird. But we're talking about in those, in those relationships and that, core, that, that community of people that know you or you're trying to be known by where you can model this, this courageous of being seen and showing up, as Brene Brown says. Show up, be seen. And move with Courage. Do you model this vulnerability and do you know how to confront with gentleness? If the failure is the part of this and this, this move, this is what it looks like to be authentic community, may God bring up either a character or a portion. Which question grabs your attention the most on this one? Are those questions up there? All right, share with the person next to you which question grabs your attention the most. I'll give you a minute. This will make you do it.
if someone is sitting alone looking like they're being that, they, they really want to share their thoughts with someone else. So you can turn to them, include them. Authentic community. Two are better than one. When one falls, there's another to help them up. We need to be helped up again and again and again. And God has put us in relationships to help each other up. My closest relationships, it can be so hard at times. Nate and I, over this last year, we had realized that there was a spot in our lives that was off limits, or we thought was off limits because of a rough conversation. And it came out in an intense time, in a multiple conversations where we gave each other the freedom to speak. Hard words, right? To be able to challenge gently, to be able to welcome in those places that we thought were off limits. We need each other to help each other up. Two are better than one. Because when one falls, he can help the other up. Two are better than one because they can keep warm when it's cold. This is a, this is a picture of body heat, right? This is a part of, of and that's going to be coming soon for us. Warm and cold, sharing what you have. Right? I mean, you know what body heat has? God has made us warm-blooded. We can share what we have, and it benefits the other person. There was a proverb that says that one log can be hard to turn into flame, but eat one perfect log can even take a long time to burn into flame. But you put together a whole bunch of poor and pathetic sort of logs, they'll, they'll make heat quicker. We're sharing what we have, what God has given us for the good of one another. Using that. That's what community is. So here's a character question with that. Do you share what you have with others? Now you get this picture. It's body heat. It's a gift from God. Here's what you have. Your heat that radiates from your body. Some of you are cold all the time and you're like, ah, the Lord hasn't given me much of that. But now you have it. <laughs> but do you share what you have? Your heat? Your life? Your breath? Your stories? Your resources? Your food? Your table? There's been communities that just made this simple practice this was a German group. And a simple practice was this. They said, you know what? We're going to covenant. And they did this with a group of people saying, um, we will never, we will, we will choose not to live within, uh, we will live within walking distance. Right? That was their choice they made. A certain group of families, we will live within walking distance and we will share a meal together every week. Right? This is what we're going to do. The Amish, when they talk about community and the choice of not technology or cars and of that is to help them to be able to rely on community. Right? Because they want to. They, they want society. They're, even with television, they're like, hey, television is one way. It's a one-sided communication of something influencing you. But they, they want to be part of community. It goes two ways. It was a chance to be shaped and to be known. And when they choose not to drive, it's so that when they need eggs or they need something, they must ask a neighbor. Because you can't just drive down the road and get it. Do you share what you have? It could be a character part. One of my goals for this year was not to throw away food. It was one of my New Year's resolutions. 
and I still throw away a ton of food, right? And, and what, what is that saying, right? It's saying that one either want my own just wastefulness and not wanting to be able to eat what's provided, but it's also saying that I'm not thinking about another whom I can share it with, to, to give it away for the, for the good of others, to benefit them, to, right? I have, um, as, as you know, I have uh, uh, an extreme issues with meat, right? Like, I go overboard with it sometimes. But, um, but, but also mindful of what it is to care for our world, right? So I'm conflicted. I mean, that, and for many people who become vegetarians, who do so for the sake of their consciousness towards this world, I applaud you, commend you. I, I, I can see that, right? Um, but in my choice to, to eat of meat and to be thankful to God for meat, one of the main things is knowing is that, yeah, there, there was a life that was given, so I don't want to throw away any of it, right? I don't want to waste what has been given, one from an animal, but also I don't want to waste it for another brother and sister who, who could need that. So I think to community, we, do we share what we have? Do we share that with others? Other part of this skill of sharing what you have, this idea of from moving from cold to warm, is something about resting, right? This whole thing was like when you, two are better than one because they can help each other be warm and actually rest. And so this is a skill. Do you know how to rest with others? Do you know how to stop and almost like have the Sabbath, right? Do you know how to be with them and not have to do something but to enjoy the reality of resting? This is a part of community, authentic community. It's not a job, it's not a task to rest. Two are better than one. Because one falls down, another can help them up. If one, one can grow cold, but two can keep each other warm. And the third one is, is that two, one can be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. This is what I talk about in the weddings, in that there's, there's an attack, right? There's an attack. This is a paradigm that we don't get to hear about much um, on the spiritual level, right? It's, in, in our world, when we think about an enemy and an attack, we think about flesh and blood. But in the reality, there is an enemy. There's an attack. And if we go back to John 13, when Jesus was with his disciples in this Passover meal, two times, even though Jesus is going to be handed over to the Romans, going to be betrayed by his people, they're going to crucify him, they're going to betray him, they're going to hurt him. He mentions none of that, but in John 13, the only enemy that is mentioned twice is Satan, who is there, moving within that community, right? That's the enemy that is present. That's the power that's a part of it. There's an attack. There's an attack on us. One can be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. When it comes to authentic community, from being able to defend ourselves against attacks, oh my word, are there ever such attacks? Tax against our identity, as Scott was talking about from that movie, about speaking into that. Tax against our worth and our value. Tax against our own lives that continue to come out with deception. Lies and deceits that are coming to snuff out our lives. Tax that are coming against our children, our wives, our husbands, our parents, our grandparents. Right? Tax all over the place. Tax on the kids in our classroom. Tax on our coworkers. 
facts waged against us lies in order to steal life. One, one can be susceptible to these lies. That's what I'm saying. But, but two, having another voice, another ear, a person can speak into those, can speak into those lies, can confront them with truth, with reality, with their presence, can grab a hold of them when those lies feel so strong and so hard with their own presence and speak truth, inviting the Spirit of God to come in and cast those away. So with the attack, do we have the character of Jesus in this? Two are better than one because two can defend themselves. So here's this question that deals with our character for authentic community. Are you concerned with your friend's welfare? concerned with the attacks, the things that are going on right now that are being waged against them. One of the, the, the question, and I love this question from Brene Brown when she, we, it came up in our hard questions Amanda Vitaccio shared with us, came up in our um, hard conversation training that we did, and the question is, what's the story you're telling yourself right now? Right, what's the thing you keep telling yourself about yourself or about others? And a lot of times it can be lies. When you share those things out loud with others, it can be really powerful to know what is a lie. But do you care about the welfare of your friends? Do you know the attacks that they're, that they're facing? That's a character question. Here's a skill question. If there is such an attack, right? If there is such a liar, if there is so much deception, I tell you, I see it everywhere, right? We mourned and we mourned this, this last week when we heard of a, of a friend whose 13-year-old daughter took her life, right? Where's that coming from? I know exactly where that's coming from, right? Hell, from a liar, Deceiving the hearts and minds of people. So here's a question. Do you know how to defend yourself and others' skills? Do you know how to defend yourself and others from these attacks? Do you know truth? Do you know how to, how to share it with others? Not in trite ways, but in powerful ways of true attacks. Another question I think is a skill thing. Are you able to pray out loud? Are you able to call out to God? Are you able to take the authority that God has given you as a representative in the household of God, which you are? If you trust in Jesus, if you've called upon Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus, you are the family of God, the household of God, a member of this family, a representative. In the same way that the, young, the brother in the story, when Jesus says, everything that I have is yours. If we're connected to Jesus, everything that Jesus has is ours. So when we defend a brother and sister, we can call out that same authority and power upon them, declaring whatever lie to leave. Right? Do you know how to pray? Are you able to do that out loud? Out loud? I would do it in something like this. I'd like lie or whatever it is, attack, leave them in the name of Jesus. Right? Go away. I would pray things, God, let your truth come. Authentic community 
is knowing that two is better than one. But in order to be authentic community, community shaped by Jesus, we know that we, we must be shaped by Jesus. His character, his skills. That's what it is to be a disciple. We want to invite you to commit with us on this journey towards authentic community, to be in it, to create patterns of being in it. And we know that authentic community is way beyond the time that we spend in this room sitting in these pews. I love the time that we get to connect before and after and in between. But to be a part of community, we, we, need, we need greater touch point. For us here, we believe that groups is the way to do that. Groups where you can meet in the home, you can be known, where you can have regular patterns of being together so that when one falls and when you fall, you've got friends to help you up and you can help them up. Where when we're cold, we can be warmed by others and we can share the things that we have. And when there is attack, the two can defend themselves. We, we have to be able to live out that pattern and says, hey, when you love one another, this is, this is what I've done. You'll show the world that you're my disciples. May we be able to live out this value of authentic community. May God shape us as disciples of Jesus towards this end. Uh, a, a, a couple of places to kind of to start, right? One, we can invite God to shape us to these character questions. But two, you can grab a green card. You can write down group on it of saying, hey, I would love to be pulled in with people. Two, if you already know people and you do know their name, and if you don't, you can just say, I'm sorry. I know, I think we're kind of friends or sort of, but I don't know your name. You can ask their name. What if you just created a weekly pattern of having a meal together? Let's just have a meal together. Let's just start there. Pulling in friends and family, a meal together. Give thanks and eat. That could be a start. Another start could be, if you're a woman in here, you could go to the women's retreat. You can start forging some, I believe in that weekend you will forge huge relationships. And I believe that God will speak to you in it too. If you're in need of some renewal, of hearing from God and connecting more deeply in relationships, sign up for the women's retreat. And maybe simply today you could join us for the picnic tonight at four o'clock at the park. From four to six, come out to the park and be present and be seen. Remind someone again of your name. Connect with them. Allow God to continue to forge us and to forge you into authentic community. May God allow us to take these next steps that we would be marked as disciples of Jesus Christ, known for our love for one another. This is one of our values. We'll be affirming it with a big party and a meal coming up in, in October. But may we allow Jesus to shape us. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you that when we fall, you help us up. Thank you that when we're cold, you warm us. Thank you that when we're attacked, you defend us. But you've also said that's not enough. We needed each other. So thank you for each other. Would you give us the courage, God, the courage to be seen and to be known and to step forward in relationships, and to create new patterns, God, where that could be forged, where these realities, where our character and our skills could be shaped. Let it be, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and would you, God, speak into things that we've shared today for our good. That your church, your family could be shaped as you've intended it. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank, oh, Nate's coming up for, to close us out. Thanks, Bo. Uh, can we have the Merchelles come up? One, a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, if you were here, we uh, practiced being a shield around uh, believers and those who are hurting, those who are struggling, those who are under attack. Um, also, uh, it's important as a community that we surround those who are being sent out. And uh, Jesus, when he sent his disciples, he said, I send you out like sheep among wolves, which is a pretty intense idea. But the Merchelles um, have a big week coming up this week. I want them to just tell us two minutes about what they have going with crew, and then I want us to step in the middle and for us as a community to surround them and to pray for them um, like a shield as they're stepping forward. And Dan's, Dan will lead us in that prayer. He's the one who leads our sending team. So give us two minutes. You? Both. Real quick, real quick. Um, yeah, so crew, for, for those who don't know, is a multi-ethnic community to help every student know and follow Jesus. It's really cool because we are reaching, um, like Tim Deswan, right, students who have grown up in the church, looking for community, looking for ways to continue to grow. But it's also for those students who have no spiritual background. They're coming into college thinking, does God exist? Well, what's the meaning and purpose in life? And so we're there to connect with all these students uh, in Detroit Metro. Um, so we're at like seven different campuses. Maddie and I only focus at Wayne State and Detroit Mercy. Yeah, so it's really cool being on the front lines. Um, we're basically training and equipping students to walk, to live out their faith. Uh, we have students who are literally discipling other students who are leading Bible studies, uh, who are changing uh, uh, like the face of campus in Detroit. Maybe you can share a little bit about partnering. Okay, so this week is crazy because, um, like last night, we had our first worship gathering for freshmen. The idea is if we reach each freshman class for four consecutive years, we've reached the campus. And so we really try to go after freshmen, um, and they're really open. And so um, this week, um, even tomorrow morning, we're doing spiritual interest surveys. Um, we have tables, and we ask, we give people like sunglasses and say, hey, can you fill out this little survey and get a free pair of sunglasses or whatever? And they're like, sure. And it's like, you're telling us literally like, yes, please tell me about Jesus. They can circle yes, no, or maybe. And so these are huge um, that students would be able to have an opportunity to indicate spiritual interest. Um, we start our first Bible studies also this week um, and some of our first worship gatherings and things like that. So that's what's happening this week. Um, it's a busy week trying to get lots of FaceTime, lots of uh, kind of spreading the seed um, to see who's interested. Um, and then we follow up with those. Um, and then, um, so what we would like to ask um, is that you would partner with us as we're going to the front lines. And so there's a few different ways you can do that. One is giving. Um, so this fall, we're trusting the Lord for about 300 monthly for us to be um, fully funded, to be fo full focused on campus. And so if that um, is interesting to you, um, please let us know. We'd love to have conversations with you about that. 
Um, giving could involve snacks for our fall retreat um, that's coming up in October or for Bible studies. Uh, so it could be resources. Um, or if you'd like to serve, we're doing a, a barbecue. Um, so if you like flipping burgers and serving college students, that could be something. Um, so if any of those opportunities sound um, good, let us know. Um, and then most importantly, praying. Um, so we're going to do that now. And some ways you can pray specifically is that this would be um, this freshman class would be the most receptive to the gospel of any freshman class that we've had, um, that God would really do the work of softening as we go, um, for wisdom and endurance for us. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, as we labor some long hours this week, Andy got back at like 11.30 last night, <laughs> um, so long days, and then for some of these events and Bible studies. So those are ways you can pray for us.